I should change my name when we do this. I don't know why. I, I always keep the band name up. <laughs> I'm Sam. Yes. That's Brian. Um, Hi. And you're Bria Grant. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Yeah, um, I know that, you know, podcasts are plenty. And uh, so we appreciate your time. And um, I, I really, you know, t- to just kick it off, like the two movies that I really like your IMDb, obviously, like all your credits are pretty phenomenal. Um but there's two movies in particular that I kind of just wanted to talk to you about. Um, Lucky, as well as 12 Hour Shift. Okay, cool. Um, you know, and uh, so basically, I'm going to start off with, with Lucky. Um, I watched it, and it's, you know, it's up on Shudder. You wrote, and you star in it. And then, uh, what was the director's name? Natasha Kermani. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so just kind of like a really heavy movie. Um, but also in a land of like surrealism, which is what I love about it. It's like this, it's such a serious thing, but it's almost like an, in, in, um, before, before, before we continue, I don't want to give anything away of these two movies. Yes. So that we're, we're, we're going to basically just kind of We try like, not to spoil things. Here. Yeah. Okay. We're, <laughs> we're, we're going to, we're going to tiptoe around. Yeah. But what I like about this movie a lot is just like the surrealism, um, based in something that's very real and and pretty traumatic and stuff so like how how would you describe lucky to anyone listening um yeah i mean the way natasha and i've been kind of uh, describing it is it is it it is a horror movie it is and it kind of is wearing the skin of a slasher it's not quite a slasher Obviously, I'm playing with the tropes of the of the slasher uh, in the writing, um, but then I think we 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 go elsewhere. I call it a, a surrealist slasher. You can call it whatever you want. I mean, I also think it's a satire. I mean, I, as as dark as it is, I think there's a lot of funny moments in it, and it was written to have moments where you laugh. Uh, you know, moments where where um, you're laughing at the absurdity of the situation. Yeah, pretty much so. Like, there's like certain scenes, um, especially uh, like you know somewhere in the middle, like where you're talking to the doctor and stuff like that, and it really takes like you know a turn, um, a movie that that kind of obviously completely very different, but the movie Mother made me feel mm. the same way. Mm. You know, Darren Aronofsky's Mother, like these two movies, just like build this tension, and uh, but there are those moments where you're just like. Um, you know, am I, am I dreaming? Like what's really going on here? Like all these serious things and stuff. So um, what was like, um, what was like the inspiration to write something like this? Because it's, it's very, it's very well done. 
Um, and and like you said, it's it's part slasher. It's even like home invasion. Home invasion to yeah. me is very much like the last frontier for for um for fear you know because as mm -hmm. we get older and we become you know we're still horror fans there's nothing that's really scary except for things that you feel like can happen so this is one of those situations where a home invasion is thrown in it uh, as well but um if you just kind of like how did you come up with lucky yeah that that's interesting it is a little bit like a slasher grown up because we're not at like a summer camp or not at a, <laughs> at a college or anything like that it's definitely mm -hmm. like an adult woman uh, having to deal with a slasher situation. Um, uh, yeah, it's based on uh, experiences I had in my real life that I kind of just uh, mined for um, for entertainment purposes. <laughs> you know what we do with our trauma when we are uh, <laughs> when when we are filmmakers. Um, it, it came from uh, um, uh, uh, an experience with a stalker for me, and mm. and and then obviously, I mean, I think the metaphors in the movie are pretty obvious, but um, you know taking that and just running with it. And because what I found was when I was dealing, you know, with the court system and with the, the, anytime I would tell anyone that's what I was going through, um, particularly women would all be like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like there was not a woman who I had, I met who didn't have some sort of story where she was in danger. Even if it's just, you know, I was walking down the street and someone was following me, somebody showed up at my house, you know, like things like that every woman has that story. So it just felt like a very um, easy jump to make this a world in which every woman literally has that story, but it is literally a, you know, um, a, a super scary horror stalker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, it's just amazing, you know, to watch you, um, you know, just your career and, you know, the writing, especially in this is like so freaking great, you know, because nice. I, I, I watched I watched you back uh, with uh, Best Friends Forever. I think it was oh, too. Oh, thank you. I yeah. love I love ap ap apocalyptic stuff too. So Me like, too. I'm, a, I'm a big fan. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Miracle Mile for sure. <laughs> um, but uh, just every great movie too. Like I, I feel like um, I know you're a mu well. You were a musician, so many many years ago long yes. time ago <laughs> well i mean i'm still a musician and we're all from that we're all from the same punk world um yeah. so but music or like the, the the score to this was uh who's uh uh jeremy Hi. zuckerman mm -hmm. how good was really he? brilliant it's great he's really good yeah I, I I loved how uh, dissonant it all was, especially during the attack scenes. It, it, it reminded me of like Stravinsky, like real off notes, but it 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 helps to unsettle you, you know, just uh, visually and through the ear. Yeah, we were very lucky to get him. He um, was attached to the movie from before we started shooting. I think he came on board, and um, Natasha was a big fan of his, but. He had done um, the Scream series, uh, the Scream series on MTV, and he's done oh. a bunch of other big movies. But um, she listened to his work and um, and you know loved what he did for Scream. But it's a much more straightforward score. But I think she really approached him and was like, "We're going to do something really weird." And uh, had heard some of his more experimental stuff, and they really bonded on that because she um, plays in that experimental world as well. Obviously, when you watch the movie, mm -hmm. um, uh, but yeah, we feel we we were really lucky with that, and I think. I mean, I think personally, you could go with a really traditional score on this movie. You could go with a traditional score on any movie. But when you're making these movies, you know, we made this movie in 15 days for a micro budget. I, I, if you make a movie like this, you have to take some big swings. And like score is a place that you can always 
do that. It's a place where you can play and you have a little bit more time and a little bit of place where you can do something a little edgier and not have to worry about like a studio system being like too weird, you know, like you, you're never going to have to deal with that. So like uh, when you make, you know, as a movie maker, um, you know, you get a score like that. But we also grew up on like, I know that you're a big, uh, I think you're a Tarantino fan, right? Did I? I am, yeah. For, yeah, yeah, we all are. He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like we're of the age. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, but like, and so when you see like something like Death Proof, you're like, oh shit, you're like, this dude is going for the deep cuts. But, <laughs> you know, like, how is it when you make a movie that you, you know, it's like you could have put songs all over this, but the instrumental just works. So like how, as a filmmaker, how do you look at like songs versus instrumentals? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, so I didn't direct Lucky, so I can't speak to that. Okay, but um, yeah, yeah. but um, uh, in Best Friends Forever, it's a lot of songs. Um, but uh, my second movie, 12 Hour Shift, which which also came out last year with the same time as Lucky, or I guess Lucky came out this year. Who could say? Time is weird. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I actually wanted some songs in it. But I mean, as an indie filmmaker, it's tough because you're trying to like, if you don't know the band, it's a lot of, it's a lot of negotiating with labels and negotiating um, with, uh, you know, over, over the rights and um, the, what, what do you call it? It's not copy. That's the different uh, uh, yeah. with. Yeah. It's, it's like, right. It's like, cause it, yeah. I mean, you could only play like 10 or 15 seconds sometimes. Royalties. Yeah. Right. yeah or, or zero seconds I think if you're going to actually sell the movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you want to like play in a festival you can usually do something but um uh yeah so it's just a it's it's incurring costs and also it definitely is a different kind of movie you know and and if you haven't I mean I mean one thing I think like especially I think about like James Gunn or somebody like that who puts a lot of a lot of really great songs into his movies um you know I think he's thinking about those and probably has the rights to them before he shoots whereas a lot of us are at this level of filmmaking we're making the movie and we're just trying to make the movie you know like we don't have the time to try to like get the songs beforehand um for best um for 12 hour shift i did try to get a couple of songs beforehand because i knew i had a couple sequences that were going to be montages and they were going to be um i wanted something cool over them but uh all the bands i contacted i couldn't get the rights to the songs i I tried to get so did you yeah. keep in touch with anyone like that still plays music from like growing up in like East Texas, like that, that punk scene? Like, I mean, if we, if I still play music, I'm sure, you know, someone who still plays music. Oh yeah. Well, uh, my, uh, my boyfriend is, uh, is um, John Congleton who was in a band called the paper chase. And we yeah. met playing music when I was a teenager and he was like 21 and he's now a music producer. So he still puts out albums too sometimes, but um, uh, yeah, he's, he's a, uh, our house is a music house. You can literally see like our records back there. It's there's a music studio in the in in the downstairs of our house right now because yeah. of the quarantine. So yes, I know a ton of people who play music for sure. It's also I think it's finding the right song and finding the right vibe. And there are definitely songs like I keep on playlists that I know at some point I want to use. But it's finding that like for example, Twelve Hour Shift was set in the '90s, so I I wanted things to. I kept trying to find songs from the 90s that I thought would work. But the problem is the songs I like from the 90s can be a little crunchy, if that makes sense. Like the guitars are a little crunchier. And um, uh, it just, every time I put one in, it was like, ah, I think it just like doesn't quite feel takes, like the movie take, I'm trying yeah, to make. It like mm-hmm. takes away from the scene kind of. Um, mm-hmm. I know I know our buddy uh, Rob is making a mixtape documentary mm-hmm. that should be coming out. Um, 
just out of curiosity, like back then, like, like, let's say in like 1995, what are five songs that Bria would have put on a mix? Oh my God. I can't believe you didn't ask me this beforehand. Cause I'm not going to be able to come up with anything. <laughs> okay. 95. I, so I, I mean, been... just in the nineties, it doesn't yes. matter. In the nineties. Okay. And, um, I apologize. This is what happens when we do stuff from home. My, um, gardener is here apparently. I uh, listen, I, I, for the first five minutes, yeah. I was super nervous to talk to you. So. I'm, okay. All right. Well now the gardener will just be in the background yeah. and Fine. just so you all uh, know, my yard here. will look great after this. My cat's um, going to be down here meowing in a okay, second. Too, so it's a um, this is, this is where we are, where we're at. Um, it's very funny. There's a ice cream truck that comes by my house around three or four every day. And I'm yeah. almost always in a meeting and they're always like, what is that? <laughs> Nice okay, um, for uh, in the 90s, 95 would have been 14. So 95 to like 99 would be very different music because at 14, I was just then getting into like punk music. So I would have also still been listening to like Hole. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have started to listen to like Minor Threat and uh-huh. Operation Ivy and uh, let's see, 14, I was pretty young. So, and then like in the next few years, I discovered sort of like new school punk is what I would call it. Like, so it was very like, like lag wagon and like bands like face to face, like bands like that. And then- Love face to face. Yeah. And then I, I got into like, this is embarrassing, but like the ska scene of the nineties. Uh, so some of those bands would have been on there as well. Yeah. Um, and then as I got older, it was much more like I got into a little bit. It was a long four or five years, the 90s yeah. for me. I got more into like. Um, We're from Long Island, so we know the ska ah. scene. Oh, great, oh, yeah. great. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, I was in an all-girl ska band for a hot minute called Shut Up and Dance, which is great. the greatest ska great band name. name. Great yeah, name. Great such name. a good one. I can't yeah. believe no one else used it. We were <laughs> what, very what, not popular. What do you play? <laughs> what's your instrument of choice or what's your I, background? Uh, I played drums. Oh, Okay. Yeah, it was, um, I lived in a small town and basically uh, uh, we, a, a bunch of my friends and I were like, we should start a band. None of us played instruments. So it was a little bit of an assignment. Like, okay, you go learn to play drums and you learn to play guitar. And uh, one of the girls had already sort of learned to play guitar. So I, I kind of just took on drums. Yeah, that's the way it is, man. It's that's how it like, always starts. It's like, and well, usually there's two guitar players and then yeah. one of them that doesn't play as good. You're like, you know what? Play the bass. You got to play maybe. the bass. Yeah, <laughs> so true. Bass. So true. So in, in, yeah. the, in the 90s and like growing up in Texas, just a, a quick question because they're one of my favorite bands. Did you ever get a chance to see um, at the drive-in? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I was actually about to say is that by the time I got to like when I was like 17, 18, I got more into like bands like that. Yeah, I saw them. Um, I know I at least saw them at Emo's in Austin at one point, but I think I saw them at Rubber Gloves in Denton, which was like a club in Denton for a long time. Um, But yeah, I loved them. That was actually one of the songs I tried to get for my movie because they have a song that's like... uh, uh, like there's like hospital stuff happening and it's about uh, oh yeah, yeah 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 yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, all of their stuff well I mean, this is not very interesting but as a filmmaker it's it interesting to find yeah, out I, that it was all all of their it. stuff we love stuff it. is uh, yeah owned by um you know the one of the huge ones so even an email to, I emailed I called I couldn't no one ever even responded to me on the, on that stuff weirdly I got responses because I for a minute I was going to use Salt and Pepper's Push It got responses to that song. But never heard back from the people yeah. from at the drive-in. Which That's weird. Crazy. Well, after they oh. listen, after they listen to this, they're gonna call. Oh, <laughs> and I have no idea what version you saw. I'm sure you didn't see this version, but the version that played um, festivals, we 
actually had um, the song about it for like a few months and now I have no idea what the song. Oh, uh, I was living in a devil town by uh, devil town by. Um, uh, uh, oh, my God. Wow. My brain. Uh, Austin singer, songwriter. Oh, um, Johnson. Wow. Wow. This is what oh, Daniel Johnson. Yeah. Thank you. Daniel, Daniel Johnson. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Which is a song. You can't tell because my brain is never on, but um, I've liked for a really long time and always used to put on mixtapes when I was in high school. And so I got the rights to that song. I was in the edit, in the sound, editing sound, and we were still trying to get the rights to his voice. Like we had the rights to do the song, but not the rights to his actual recording of it. And he uh, passed away while we were, we were doing it. So we couldn't get the rights. So I ended up getting someone to cover it. Um, yes. Yeah, so, which is like the next best thing, especially yeah. for a song like, you know, like that. Um, unfortunately, I mean, you know, if that's, if that's what you're supposed to, if you, if you have to do that, then I'm all for it. I mean, I think the show, yeah. um, Sons of Anarchy would always do that. You'd always yeah. hear like yes. this like random cover. You're like, why? And I'm like, why? Yeah. No, Jimmy Page won't give you the okay for this no. one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And someone else owns the rights to the actual yeah. song. But the problem was we only got the rights for the um, festival run. And then, which sucks because that movie didn't get as much of a festival run as it should have because of the pandemic. Um, and then once the movie came out, we couldn't actually get the rights to it Yeah. before we, we released it. Yeah. For- wow. Yeah. I, I at, at the drive-in was signed to Grand Royal, which was Mike D's label. That's what I, I totally remember when that came out. And yeah. uh, they broke up and I think they bankrupt the label. So but shout out to them. They're one of my favorite bands. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're great. They're really good. Um, but I know that, um, you know, talking about uh, going back to, to Lucky, the mask is really interesting. Um, it's just it's like simple but like eerie enough, you know, and uh, I, how did that come about? Like, it's just, it seems simple, but it, it's just so effective. Yeah, yeah, he did a good job. Um, You know, in the script, I just said he was wearing a mask. I never got descriptive on it because I think you can go a little far with that stuff. And unless it's like super relevant, it's not that important for, for the, what I, the story I was trying to tell. So um, once we got greenlit, um, Natasha brought Jeff Farley on board, who's been doing effects stuff for a really, really long time. And, um, and her idea was, yeah, that it would just be sort of see-through. Um, and then I don't know if you can tell, but in some shots you might be able to see it, but on every mask, the man has um, the name of his victim written across uh, the mask. So I have the one here from, uh, that is May's mask, but yeah, that, it's like a weird little little Easter egg that I think it's hard. To, you, you, you're you not supposed to be able to see it. It looks kind of like scratches, but it actually is a name across every oh, wow. single one of I them. I love, I love watching movies like this. Like I love the Easter eggs like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, as far as like masks go, like do, do you have like any movies that stick out to you is like you know maybe your favorite mask that you've seen i mean we could always say for me i'll I'll throw in like william shatner you know like uh, the (laughs) halloween it's just so like you know it's like the best because Mm -hmm. it's 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 almost like what happened with with lucky like it just it seemed like a simple idea but very devoid of expression there was no Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm, what i mean mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know what's weird is that i read the script a long time ago for the strangers um i was Mm. um uh, like one of my jobs was I was a script reader for 
mini errors and would like give people give give read them like people in LA don't read scripts so I'd give like manager I worked for like a manager and he'd be like read the script and tell me what it's about um and if it's good uh, and I read the script for the strangers and I was like this is not good I I just didn't think it was good I, I thought I was like I don't know the masks seem really corny whatever that's like one of my favorite movies oh, <laughs> and, now, yeah. and it's like re- it, and it's in part just the execution but it's also the masks really worked. Like everything mm. really worked in that movie at the end of the day. Um, uh, Brian Bertino, first of all, I mean, like you want to talk about a guy who makes movies that are very slow, but effective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. That and, and we're going to talk about, you know, Shudder, which, you know, Lucky is on the dark and the wicked. His movie. I've heard it's good. I have not watched it yet. It looks too horrifying. On Honestly, he had this movie, though, a few years ago called Blackbird. Mom's- Okay, no. I never saw that. It was a found footage movie set in the 90s or something. So it was people would get these old video cameras sent to their house. So maybe it was even 80s. It was like the kind of video camera you like had to put on your shoulder and like had an actual VHS tape in it. Yeah, yeah. So they get sent to their house and they start recording and then things would start happening. It was like three different storylines and it was great. And it was like before people were really watching stuff on VOD. So it went straight to VOD and I feel like no one saw it. And it was so good. It was so well done. That is so true because like, that was like the kiss of death. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Like you, (laughs) you would just go there and it's like, oh, that movie just like totally left. Now Mm -hmm. it's like, as soon as a movie comes out, I'm like Googling just as soon as I see watch. Is that you? That's a dryer. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) I think your your boxers are done. Um, but, uh, yeah. So like, as soon as I Google, it says watch movie and, and like, I just go, it's like, I I have no problems renting movie on YouTube. I have like every streaming app, Mm. you know, Ashley. All right. So let me just switch gears. The stylist, which is a new Mm. movie you're in is -hmm. on the arrow app. Yeah. I went through the arrow app. It looks amazing. Yeah, it, it does. I actually, Jill, the director texted me cause you know, I've already seen it. So I, I was like, well, I'm not going to whatever she texted me she's like actually go download the stylist app i mean the stylist app that should be uh the arrow app uh and check it out because there's um so many special features and i was like what so i went and looked and it's like four or five behind the scenes videos about the stylist there's a whole like um little documentary about the stylist and about women who work um like working class kind of jobs or specific kind of jobs and there's a bunch of stuff about 12 hour shift in there and um a movie called satanic panic like in this little documentary love, love that yeah movie. and love it was that. like on the arrow player and i was like oh this is the future where you mm. like you get this the player but for the movie but really like you're sticking around for all those extra features because you don't get to see that shit on netflix and stuff and that is such a a bummer because i love especially like i mean i'll tell you like i watched every episode of buffy the vampire slayer and we watched all of the commentary and all of the everything that was on every dvd and now i don't really buy physical dvds anymore just because i find i don't know there's only so much space in my house you know Uh, and we fill it with records so (laughs) Yeah. So like I I that was like the where I was like oh people need to catch on to this like this is like it made the it made the app like super cool oh man I so you know like everyone on the planet like 
it, you know, when, when you think of an app, it's like, oh, five bucks a month. It's whatever. I have like 10 of them that go in. So Same. I'm like, all right, maybe I'll get rid of the Paramount Plus now that the real world's done. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but at, that Arrow app looked great. Uh, the stylist looks really good. My girlfriend mm-hmm. owns a salon. So like I was just like, we got we got to watch it together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, going to, you know, finishing up with Lucky here because I really want to get to 12 hour shift, which I, I genuinely think is like a fucking masterpiece. Oh, thank you. <laughs> like, I think it's, I just, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to like completely gush over that movie. Um, oh, so, you. you know, to, to finish up with lucky, it's, it's going to be up on shutter. And, um, did you ever get a chance to watch it with an audience now? Right. Uh, no, we were supposed to premiere last year at South by Southwest. And we, that was the first festival that got canceled. I was literally with Natasha and we have the same manager. We were all just having coffee being like, can't, can't wait to go to Southwest Southwest. I mean, there were already like rumblings that it might get canceled. And we got the call while we were there and we were like, what, what, what the hell do we do now? And it was, and then we just went straight to a bar. Like we were, we were um, horrified. Uh, and then it played a bunch of places. And I mean, as many of the digital festivals as we can do. And we had a cool experience because I got to like, you know, there were a lot of people who got to see it. I think that may not have gotten to see it because they couldn't go to a festival, but they were willing to like pay to go to like Fantasia, you know, or whatever um, online. So we got to talk to some people and we did a lot of like, yeah, a lot of Q and A's online, tons of Zoom Q and A's. But what's nice is that Shutter has a really nice built-in audience. So now that it's out in the world, I feel like people are seeing it. I I would have loved to have seen it with an audience. So I would have loved to see both of those movies with an audience, and I didn't get. I'm 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 a movie guy. I mean, growing up too. Like I'm sure you know we're all kind of you know of that era. And uh, I just recently got a chance to go back to the movies. Finally, (laughs) you know, I felt great. I saw Nobody. I thought it was amazing. Cool. Do you? I'm going to see Mortal Kombat right after this. Oh, okay. sweet. Cool, 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 cool. Um, but yeah, so like I tell everyone, I, you know, same thing with Brian. Like we, we love Lucky and uh, any chance I get, I get, uh, you know, I love, uh, that's a Dread Epic picture? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yes. Okay. Yeah, because that, the way you said it, I was like Dread Epic. Yes, it is a, like a Dread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Dread label under well, Epic or whatever. Yeah. This, I think Lucky and Harpoon are like the two best things that they did. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, Harpoon yeah. is fantastic. Thank you. Um, cool. So I just, you know, like I know that you're, you know, we're not going to take up a lot of your time, but I just really wanted to um, talk about 12 hour shift and just, um, you know, for, it's amazing when you see someone, you know, w- with your first film and then you write and direct this and it's so good. Oh, like, thanks. It's so good. Like the like I just like, let's talk about the opening scene. I think the opening scene, <laughs> it's like you have this like breather before she walks into the hospital and this world that just she's in because from that moment on, it's like pure madness. Um how did you come through with that that first scene were you thinking like let me just ease them in no it's so funny you say that so I had a very elaborate shot designed for that scene that like went from like it 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 was just elaborate there was like it went like here and then here it was like very all this movement and all this stuff 
And um, on the day we were supposed to shoot it, um, the little camera, the, the, the camera broke that we were going to be using because it was a different camera than we were using every other day, basically. Um, and we couldn't get it to work. So it was like, okay, so this is now going to be not as like I want, I wanted it to be very smooth and cool and whatever. Uh, so instead now it's handheld for the very first part. Punk rock. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, uh, we settle in on uh, Mandy, Angela Bettis's character. And when we were editing it, there was a lot of like, oh, should we go back and forth, whatever. And I was like, I think we just, we just sit with her, you know, like I, it felt like I, I think in part, I had just watched this movie called The Wind. And I don't know if you've seen that horror movie, but it says this very brave thing where it's just in this giant wide for this whole opening and all this violent things happen, but it's super wide. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, I know what movie I'm getting into. And this, and I was like, I think that that's it. We, it's her movie. Like, we want to know what movie we're kind of like getting into is like, we sit with these two women yeah. and like, we hear their conversation because this is very much what the movie is about is like the day-to-day life of these two kind of women. And they, and they're interchangeable really like the two women in the open, even though you don't see the other one again to the end. So it just felt to me like you should just sit there and have to listen to this whole conversation <laughs> between these two women. It's so, uh, it's, it's so real. Like for, yeah. for, for, for someone who comes from like, uh, you know, I'll like, you know, we talked about Tarantino, like Tarantino's dialogue is just so good. And I felt like the beginning was just like such a normal conversation. I thought the casting is, is great. Um, and the casting, just casting in general is such a huge thing, you know, um, Sometimes you see a movie, I mean, maybe I'll just say Friday the 13th remake, I don't know, maybe I'll just say, you know, like something like that, where it's like these characters just don't look like, it, I don't know, it just, it, yeah. it doesn't work, but uh, this in particular, and I gotta say, yeah, Angela Bettis, amazing. Killed it. Yeah, yeah she's um, so bad. And Mick Foley from Issa Talkett, man. Like he grew up down the block, <laughs> he, uh, in the town over from me. So how the hell did you end up, You were you like a wrestling fan? I, not really no more than like I think kids were in the 90s you know like I yeah, think same. kids in the 90s liked right. wrestling and I had an older brother and some cousins and so um I was familiar enough with wrestling but yeah when we started doing casting a bunch of you know uh uh David Arquette was on and on from the beginning and his wife Christina and they were like do you want any wrestlers in this you know for any of the roles and I was just like, well, I only can really name one wrestler. And it was Mick Foley. <laughs> and, and they asked him and he was, came down for a day, signed a ton of autographs while he was there. It was really nice. And then left. He was, he was a very that, like, that, it was very lovely working experience. That, that makes sense. Um, another thing that I want to say, the direction on this was particularly brilliant. I think, I think you did. It's amazing. So like, you know, from, from your first movie to this, you know, it's like you had seven years of like, I guess, learning and, and like, you just, you know, it's just amazing to see like the progression. Um, and I got to say the chapel scene. Oh, cool. How cool is that? The colors. And I feel like it was like, kind of like such a dark conversation in such a holy place, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not in the original script, the chapel, because I didn't know where we were going to be shooting. So everything was just in a hospital in various cor- corners or outside or whatever. Um, and then we got to the location and th- there was a chapel there. And my producers were like, do you want to use this? So we ended up setting obviously a couple of key scenes there. Um, uh, but yeah, it worked out really well to have that. It's a very small chapel, like whatever it's like, we, it's shot pretty wide, but it is, it is teeny. Uh, so shooting there was like a lot, but yeah, it's in part like just a testament to those women. They're just very good at what oh, they, they were do. So good. And they're very open to like, I mean, 
uh, I mean, I work in television some as a director and like, obviously once like on certain things, you're not allowed to change stuff, but I love changing stuff of my own on the day. Cause I'll hear it coming out of my actor's mouths. And I'm like, this is not the right line. It's not right. And so, and I think my actors, most of them really like it. Cause I'm like, okay, this is not the right line. Like let's come up with something else. Like we do a whole bunch of improvising. We do a lot of like finding what's right in that moment because the words, the words I'm always willing to fuck with. I have a lot of like very specific ideas about the look or like where the camera is going to be and things like that, that I'm like less willing to mess with on the day. But the actors all know that I'm very much like, oh, this line doesn't work or you have a funnier line or this line, it, it, we don't, we don't even need it. Like, just let me know. And then we kind of like work through it. I, I love that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I completely love that. So as far as like direction, like uh, for an influence like you, like, can you think of, you know, like a couple of movies uh, where the direction blew you away because this direction blew me away. So I just want to know, oh, like, thanks. maybe your influence. I mean, there are definitely movies that I could think of, but I mean, the lamer answer is that I've been working in the film industry full time since 2007, eight-ish. Like that's when I quit my day job. Um, so I'll consider that like my mark of being in the film industry. Um, and I've just worked with so many directors and I've watched them over the years. I mean, it's so weird because I was just, I was hanging out with some of the girls who I was in Halloween 2 with and I was talking to them about like what we're doing. And I was like, oh, I'm just mostly focusing on directing now. And they were all like, yeah, of course, we know that about you. Like we could see it <laughs> even yeah. when you were just acting and doing nothing else. It was like very clear that that's what you were interested in because you were always watching that instead of like paying attention to the acting. Um, so I think like watching directors, I've like been able to take um, bits and pieces from the ones that are doing interesting things to me, you know, like, like over the years, like, even if it's just like a minor thing or things that I like, I don't find interesting. Y'all this, it's just going to get louder. So I'm going to move to a different room. <laughs> I feel so bad. It's so No, loud. it's, it's fine. Thank you so much. As yeah. you, you know, I mean, yeah. it's going to be loud no matter where I am, but at least in this room, it won't be quite <laughs> Not a problem. Um, yeah, it won't be as pretty, but, um, uh, yeah. So I would say like, just as far as, as far as directors go, like, there are ones that I love and ones I study definitely like when I'm going through, you know, especially in prep, like this one, I watched, I watched a ton of hospital stuff, but I also watched a ton of just like really fast paced, like dialogue stuff like Tarantino, like Edgar Wright. Um, oh, the two uh, best. Yeah. Those are the two yeah. Best. Like some very like, just like the quick cuts, yeah. quick stuff, but then also watching like what indie filmmakers were doing right now. Cause I think there's just like such a cool thing happening with a lot of, um, indie folks, Cohen Brothers. Like I watched a lot of that and to so, prep. That, but that's what but I got. I got Cohen. I got Cohen. I got oh Cohen. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I didn't even. There's so many Cohen Brothers movies I didn't even see, and people kept talking about them. And uh, my boyfriend's a huge fan, so I was like, we should watch some Cohen Brothers movies so that yeah. way at least like I know. And then when I watched them, I'm like, oh right, yeah, I do see it. <laughs> it was just like it was like I just don't even remember. But I mean, obviously they were big influences on me because I think every character in this movie has this like like it's such a real situation just like in your other movie but like some of these characters are just in their own planet um like like um uh like the security guard like mm -hmm. he's like just to talk about marilyn manson like that i laughed out loud during that <laughs> oh, scene yeah. oh yeah that's one of my favorite lines i remember that uh uh you know uh wonder year story i remember the rib story and it was just okay. such a great thing to just like throw in there for like people like me so yeah 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 real 90s 90s reference yeah my goal was to make sure that like 
I wanted people to go like, well, what's that guy doing on the other parts of the movie? You know, I wanted if if you if you you could literally go in and make a movie about each character and what they were doing when they weren't on screen. That was one of my goals. And I was really fortunate because I worked with a lot of great improv actors and also a lot of actors already knew or trusted. So I knew they would come in and like I just like would have calls with them ahead of time and be like, okay, I think your character's thing is this. Like maybe he carries around a Walkman all the time. I don't know. Like I would just come up with stuff and they'd be like, ooh, like um, there's a character who walks around and he's always taking notes. And that actually wasn't in the script. And he and I kind of came up with that in a pre-call before we started shooting. And he's like, oh yeah, like what if I'm really nosy and I'm always taking notes? And I was like, great. That's exactly what you, that's your character now. <laughs> like, And they just kind of, improvisers are so great because they can take one small thing and just build a world from that. So Easter egg. You just mentioned Halloween, Halloween 2, which you were in the Rob Zombie one. I mm-hmm. love, uh, that's my favorite horror franchise. I love Halloween 2, which takes place in a hospital, the original. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this movie takes place in a hospital and the, the cop's name is Myers. Was that a little Easter egg? You know, it, I didn't, it probably was in the back of my mind, but I kind of didn't mean for it to. There's all sorts of things that I'm like, uh, I, I, people bring up to me and I'm like, I don't know. I've lived this life for so long that I kind of don't mean to. But yes, probably. I didn't, yeah. I didn't. And you're subconscious. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's great. Like, like we but, make stuff, like when you make stuff, like everyone's influenced by stuff and, and, and it comes out, you know, it's like, uh, like Nirvana was influenced by the Pixies. But they sound nothing like the Pixies, but to them, you know, it's like, yeah, this mm-hmm. this band influenced us, so that's cool. And you've done so much work in the in in the genre, the horror genre, really good films too. And um, did, what's your like? Did you grow up loving horror? Is it something you just kind of gravitated towards later, or what, what? What's your background? Well, yeah, I mean, so as like a teen in the '90s, I was just around for that, like. 90s renaissance of horror you know where you had scream i saw scream on opening night so and my you know i I think like especially women my age we grew up watching those movies in the theaters and then going to slumber parties in the years before that you know renting movies from the local video store and like slumber parties were like a place where you watched movies you know like we would watch clue or a horror movie like that was like kind of all we would watch so it's weird because i don't necessarily like I like if you quizzed me on like a lot of movies, I'd be like, oh, right. I saw that when I was a kid. So I think there's a lot of influences that snuck in and having an older brother helps as well. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of influences that like, yes, like I want and, and I, like, you know, I loved the movie Tremors growing up. I loved Nightmare on Elm Street. So there was a lot of things like that. And if and uh, like on top of all of that, I had that weird childhood where the mo- children's shows were scary. You know, when I was growing up, like we had Are You Afraid of the Dark? And we had... um labyrinth and we had like you know uh return to oz like these were movies like i watched on a regular basis that are not considered horror movies but like uh yeah return to oz is especially horrifying yeah (laughs) we we were talking about like time bandits that's another one oh yeah totally totally like that ending to time bandits i'm like how are you gonna do this to me i'm like six years old right now i can't exactly yeah there's so many like children's movies were horrifying in the eighties. They the were dark, so scary. The Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal. Uh, Never Ending Story. Yeah. That I mm. mean, like just a lot of. And I loved those movies. I loved Henson. I loved like anything that was like super, um, kind of supernatural or fantastical. That was like my well, go-to. You see David Bowie in the back. He was in mm-hmm. Labyrinth. Yeah, of course, know? of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, just a, a a couple more things here. Like, I really wanted to say my my favorite scene in this movie, um, is the singing scene. 
I think it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's so brilliant because here you have the two main characters doing horrific things. And then you have like, I guess the EMT guy and the other uh, nurse and they're singing this like kind of Christian song. Yes. And uh, it's just so, I, I, you know, watching it again for the second time today, um, I can't say enough about this movie. Like, I really <laughs> think that you like did such a great, like you have two really good movies under your belt um in a year and that's like amazing so no, thank uh, you thanks oh, yeah and- I, li- I like that singing scene too that was not in the script originally so that's like a new that was a that was an addition once I got there and saw the chapel and originally I was trying to get um that was one of the songs I was trying to get I was trying to get a Beastie Boys song that's on girls because I thought it'd be funny to be like girls that 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 and like and then have them like killing people to that song um but they it was just a big no. I just got to no. know. I don't know if they don't let people use that song anymore or what the deal is, but that the, the I know uh, they have a weird relationship with that song. The yeah, but I was like, this is a funny yeah. and I I like wrote this in my thing. I was like, look, I'm using it tongue in cheek. And right. like, it's a feminist movie. Like, I'm a female filmmaker. I like really pushed it. But uh, literally, it was like a straight up. No, it's not from them, though. It was from um uh, the people who own the rights to the songs. They, right. Beastie Boys were not involved in that. <laughs> Just uh, in, out of curiosity, uh, you said there's a lot of cool stuff going on in the, the indie scene. Um, just you know, just in case we don't know about it, just tell tell us some 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 directors or movies that you've seen recently that maybe we should check out. Yeah. Um, sorry, I moved from one room to another, and now like my my washing machine is just going to keep beeping. Yeah, um, <laughs> we'll do we'll do five more minutes and we'll wrap. No, no so sorry. Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of I think a lot of good stuff ends up on Shutter, which is very cool. And I think um, a lot of stuff at festivals. I mean, there's a lot of I mean, what, what's exciting is I think there's a lot of like cool women making movies now. Um, and then I think there's a lot of new up and coming filmmakers. I'm trying to think of like what I've seen over the pandemic that was good. I saw this movie called Starfish, which oh, is yeah. good. And it's basically a mixtape. with an apocalypse uh in the background and i saw this movie sweetheart um so good so good she gets uh washed up on like a desert island and there's a monster on there and it's amazing um uh sea fever is amazing female filmmaker um all on a ship like that should not be as good as it is I'm sure everyone has seen um, the creature uh, was good on that. So well done. I loved that movie. I loved it. I was on a panel with her and I was like, Oh, I've never seen this movie. And I watched it and was like completely blown away. Um, uh, Yeah. So just like a lot of really cool, fun stuff that is happening. And I'm just, it's like, it's been, it's been nice to like, to like see all the cool, like indie stuff. And I've been going to like, certain festivals for years and years just like watching all the indie stuff and it just keeps getting better and better which is exciting i wanted to mention uh chelsea stardust i, I thought yeah. satanic panic was amazing and her yeah. other movie um on hulu i think it was like all things we destroy or- uh yeah yeah uh d- uh oh now i'm blinking this is what happens i have no idea uh yeah but they're both really good yeah she she also had a band year one year where she had two movies back to back that she yeah. made and it was, and, yeah and- and the uh, Coraline, I forget the French last name, who did Revenge. Oh, like, yeah. So good. Uh, visually. Holy mm-hmm. Christ. That movie mm-hmm. is uh, super violent, but like visually just gorgeous, like Mandy almost, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But yeah. cool. Hey, listen, I, I don't want to take up any more of your time, Brian. I don't know if you had anything else, but. Oh, I just want I noticed you have a couple things in, uh, well, in post-production. You got to film Night Sky, right? That What's this? Here's the thing about IMDb. 
Uh, (laughs) once something is added it is hard to get it off um yes night sky has been in post for six years i don't know if it's okay uh yeah yeah but it is a great movie um i i I think it's interesting because um there's been like a resurgence of interest in it uh because that filmmaker just he had a movie just premiere at south by uh the director the director is an old friend and um we shot that movie for like 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 a shoestring like on a on a road trip um uh but yeah yeah i have no idea if that one will ever see gotcha. the light of day i'd like it to it's, it's it's quite good well we'll we'll watch the stylist because the trailer please watch the great. stylist so yeah um, the stylist is great um people should definitely check that out and check out um the other ones i mean yeah if, as far as other movies like um i'm in another movie called after midnight that i think is like quite good oh too. yeah the um because i mean i just saw man i'm trying to remember the connection to Benson and Moorhead, right? Maybe they produced it. Yeah, they were the producers. Yes, I just watched Synchronic, which was such a trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Um, Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, listen, uh, and if you get any Junction June demo, send them my way. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for your time. Thank you for doing it. Thank you so much. And uh, I will look forward to everything that you do. So will Brian. Yep. Awesome. Thanks, (laughs) y'all. Thank you. See ya.